concept, we look into what is the church. Because a good number of people do not really understand what the church is. The concept of many about the church is just a congregation of people who just uh, come to the place you call a church. And uh, because many did not understand the, what church is in God's perspective, a good number of ministers have gone into the field to pastor churches and they have failed. Grossly disappointed, some frustrated. But our intention is to take us from the rudiments of what church is to who is a minister of God and what is the job description of a minister of God according to the scripture so that the minister of God will know his duty of care and of course what is the composition of the church so that the minister of God will know the composition of the church and um, so that in the days of crisis and the usual thing that embellished the, 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 the church of God, a minister is fully equipped and he knows how to handle things. Then we now began to look into church structure. And yesterday we dwelled so much on governance. Today, I think yesterday we ended up in the night by dealing with um, how are the mighty falling. And tonight we will go ahead to look at why do we have many ministers falling in our season? Especially ministers that God has blessed so much. Ministers who have been raised from the dust to the highest speaking in life. Very wealthy, anointed, used of God, mightily influential, and suddenly something happens and they start falling down the cliff without any remedy of being redeemed. I want to deal with this aspect as much as I can within a short time just to help other ministers to know that we don't have to fall we don't have to fall those who fall chose to do so not because of devil or anything of course devil is instrument in it but they chose it is their choice so this meeting is just all about that well uh ministers of god we want to look at how are the mighty falling and then we look into church crisis and how to deal with church crisis now God gave me this lecture because of a time when I got fed up of what is happening in the church of God across the globe and I began to inquire from the Lord if all about calling is for God to use a man and dump him. Then I don't think that God is just. Because we have seen many people in our time who are influential, popular, divorce their wives, ministers, and marry some other people in the same church. Alright? That is not saying that I'm saying that they are, they are justified to marry outside the church. But for a minister to divorce... It is better for him to be dead and be buried than to divorce. Because a person who is a minister, we have seen it from our lecture since yesterday, that they are the highest standard of reference in the church of the Lord. And if a person is supposed to be the pillar that everybody will hold on and the reference point, there are some things that is not expected of such person, especially the sin of adultery, which is the easiest thing it is, it is the hardest sin to commit. 
It is easier to bow down to an idol than to commit adultery. Because to bow down to an idol can be an instantaneous under duress. To commit adultery is a plan, a plot, a thought, a process, and an act. And when we find ministers, you know, in our days, sleeping with women in their churches, committing adultery, sacking their wives, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, it has come to the peak. Now, I want us to look at this character of a man. If we can, we will finish it. But at the same time, I'm very much open tonight. I think yesterday night when we were looking into spiritual warfare, where we ended up the spiritual warfare, it's a very good place to start. There's a scripture that came to my mind now, which I did not um, include in my lecture. Um, but I will, I will, I think it's Second Peter 2. Um, um, Maybe that three one. You see, this is the reason why I want my wife all the time. If I want to look for my scripture like this, you just get it for me. Um, don't worry. Where is she? Yeah, God's divine power. Second Peter three one. No, one three. One three. All right. Second Peter one three. Let us look carefully at this scripture. It says his divine power has given us everything we need for life. And for godliness. Through our knowledge of him. Who called us by his own glory. And goodness. Through this. He had given us his very great. And precious promises. So that through them. You might participate. In the divine nature. And escape the corruption. In the world caused by evil desire. I want us to underline the scriptures. Let me go into it in my iPad too. Yes. I want us to read within the lines as it is our duty or our custom, I'll say, to read the Bible and just 
you know, stay within the, you know, the limits of the Bible. That is the first um, protection a minister can have so that he is protected from erroneous doctrine. God's divine power has given us everything we need for life. Anything you can need already has been provided. Now, and everything you need to be godly has been provided. So if we don't enjoy life, it's our self-inflicted injury. Look, I was talking to pastors in Nigeria some time ago. Pastors that was in the meeting. Those, that year I went to Nigeria looking for how can I help the pastors to, to, to be rich financially. And I read the Bible and I found out that when God sent Abraham out, all right, the first place where Abraham got his word is from the ground. Jacob, he sowed the same year and reaped. Isaac sowed the same year and reaped the same year. Even Jacob, the same thing. All of them were planting on the, in the ground. And then they had animal husbandry. They were farmers. Abraham was a farmer. His son was a farmer. Isaac Jacob was a farmer. And I also looked at when God gave vision to Egypt how to remedy the famine that is coming. God told them to farm. And they will, their ground will produce. And then they store what the ground produces. So I began to think that I, I can't understand if a minister tells me in Nigeria he's poor. I cannot understand. So I went there, did the research, on, well, is this Africa too? Did a research, paid the UNAB to do researches for us. And they gave us, you know, a, a complete business plan of cassava planting, maize planting, process and stuff, and fish farming. And they told me that after the oil production of Nigeria, the most lucrative business any human being can enter is fish farming, catfish farming. So we got those things done. And I called those ministers. And um, it's easy for a minister to feel that I don't have ability and stuff like that. But what I introduced to them is that you, ten of you, gather together. If ten of you went to the village and you buy ten, ten acres, that is hundred acres. If you farm on ten acres, it may be little produce. But if you farm the same thing on hundred acres, you have a huge turnover. And moreover, I showed them that fish farming, you can start fish farming less than two million. And when you begin to reap from two million, we calculated it at the time, you'll be harvesting every three months about three or four million. I said that if you cannot buy a land to build a church, if you just get a farm and you go every week and employ members of the church who are jobless and let them know this is for the Lord. Of course, they are paid. It leads you to sustain, but when harvest comes, you compensate them very bountifully. And I show them how they can easily make money. If I was in Nigeria, I would be a millionaire from the ground. 
Every day I will go to that farm. I will do church there. It is the best place to pray, hours of prayer. Here you are in the farm. Nobody disturbs you in the farm. The cool breeze is blowing. You have the birds singing. And you have some bush rodent running at skelter. And you are in the midst of the natural of God. So, from the ground. Instead of uh, somebody expecting money from America to come and build them out or London to come and build them out and stuff like that, you can make money where you are. You know, one thing I believe is that if God was faithful to these fathers of faith from the ground and from animal husbandry, if you go to the ground and speak to the ground to bring you increase, it will. If you bought a chicken, male and female, and you speak to them, they will multiply. But you have to buy first. You have to decide to, to plant the seed first. And you must be ready for harvest, hard work. Same thing in London, let me tell you. I told my members in London that, what are you doing with 1,000 pounds in the bank, 2,000 pounds in the bank, and you guys are just, you are struggling with your 1,000 pounds. It never amounts to anything. I said, form a corporation in this church. Pastor, this is headed one. 20 people come together, bring your 1,000 pounds, that is 20,000 pounds. Buy a house. In those days, houses were cheap in, in the UK. The houses that they bought at that time at 150,000 is selling for over 400,000 today. So those who listen to what I said and they are putting their 10,000, 10,000 and they bought one house. Some of them in that group bought two, three houses in the church. And this is how their portfolio increased. Out of nothing. Let me tell you one more thing now. This house, I think this is in line. I'm not talking about how they might be falling now. I'm talking about continuation of my governor's teaching. I'm going to add my falling. This house, when we built the first phase. We have project to build the second and the third and the fourth phase. Today I'm going to show you the plans. And the builders, as far as they are concerned, they want to continue to build. I told them, no, we don't do that. I will never build to plunge the account of the church into red. So, they build the sanctuary which is needed, most needed. My office, I suspended it. We build for one year. The Bible says for the second year we gather. Read it true. Thou shalt plant. It says in the first year, it says, and in the second year, it says, I will cultivate the ground. And on the third year, you will eat from what you did not sow. So my procedure is, our principle is, we, we spend in one year. The other year, we gather money. Now, because... If I went straight away on a project that it must be done, all right, we will go into debt. When we go into debt, the offering may not be able to cut takes, handle it. What happens to me then? What happens to my administrators? Nobody will sleep in their home because we can't afford a mortgage. So I told them, we build this year. I suspend other construction because I have to gather money. Which means I will have no office. When you come in that room there, in that entrance there, behind the counter, 
That is my office. And I use that office for four years now. Because I have a plan. I want an office that befits God and befits this house. And I know to build that, I want to stretch myself a little bit. If you look at everything in this place, is high taste. If you haven't gone to the women's toilet and men's toilet, go there. I told them there will be no hotel toilet in England that will beat CFT toilet. And we got it. We achieved it. Same thing in my office. Same thing our boardroom. Same thing other offices. I have in my brain the quality that I want. So we have to stop for three years and save. Alright? Now the period of saving is over. I wanted an office before anniversary. I called them now. You build this place now. And I will not pay you immediately. Agreed? They agreed. I will spread my payment for six months. They agree. No interest? Yes. Build. And they built. But you know, the time I was telling them that if we wanted to pay off the whole money, we have it. Why should we pay off the whole money? Jesus says, use the mammon of this world to gain habitation for yourself. If we, we raise 120,000 pounds to build an office, we have 120,000 pounds to build an office. Now, let me say this to you. If we put the whole money into construction, should we have contingency that happened? How are we going to pay? How do we explain to the church I've been judicious in spending? So I keep that money in the bank and we pay them monthly. The office is ready now. And to the taste I want. Huh? You know what? I looked at the, the church when I show you in the next lecture about the, the plan. I was talking yesterday about um, long-term plan when I was talking about policy and governance. I will show you the five-year plan of this house, including New Cross. And I will tell you how much it will cost. And I will show you what are my plans I have set in place to achieve them. Alright? Not ambitious, but actual. There is a place for actuality. Jesus said when you want to build tower, you must be actual, not faith. Then I will tell you the procedure or strategy that I have set in place to move into that and achieve that. Can we achieve it? Sure. Because I've, I've said it. Now, how can we achieve it? Use the mammon of this world to gain habitation for yourself. We have a building in Ilderton Road. I can sell it. And that building now will get over 500,000. Somebody has offered us over 0.5 million to buy the house. We bought it many years ago, 44,000. When we bought that building, all of us, like we died for the money to be paid. I sold my car. Everybody sold what it, everything they had. We, we, the last day, we were at 7,000 in red. The money came in 30 minutes before closing. They got a body in option. Are we together now? Let me say this to you. That building is 500,000 plus now. We don't own it. 
Now, so I have an opportunity to go to the bank and sell it and make 500000 But the Bible says, use the mammon of this world to gain habitation for yourself. What will I do? No, I won't do that. With that 500000 when I'm ready, I will sort out with my, 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 my administrators so that when I set my plan to death, they can criticize it, question it, so that we can get better. Okay? I can buy five or six houses with that money. With the equity. And those houses will go into the post for this church as a commercial venture. People will rent it. Those who rent will pay the remaining mortgage and profits that come out of it will service this church. And when I say service this church, it's not a running cost. It goes to a fixed deposit for this church. I had planned with 500 if I get away with the bank with 400 out of it, all right, and buy a property, I can buy a property from 400 cash in my hand, I can buy about 10 properties. Uh, at least uh, 3 times 4, 120. Uh, I can buy, you know, about 10 properties, right? If I go to auction, I make better. But if I go to, you know, the, you know, already built, I can go, I can go up to five to ten, depending on whether two bedrooms or three. Now, let me say this to you. When I do that, in five years' time, whatever amount I bought those buildings will have been doubled. Because I'm listening to what they are talking about Europe. Today, I was watching the financial news of America. Understanding what China is saying, what China is about to do now, concerning the intention of England to move out of Europe, I'm current with it. I want the television to watch it. I don't watch play on television. I watch sense. I would mean that. Now, my plan is that in five years' time, this building does not owe the bank. Either by equity value or by cash value. We can pay off if anybody pulls strings. We can sell off and pay off instantly. Not by offering. I think I've taken you from where the mighty fall into something else. I think God doesn't want me to talk about why the, how the mighty fall in now. We will do that in the next lecture. Let's just zoom straight away into governance. I was talking about like yes, like yes, like yesterday. And complete the issue of governance. Because I really did promise you that I would talk about governance. But I forgot that I promised you, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, we'll finish that within the next few minutes. Ministers ought to know governance yeah all these things I'm going to be giving you, take them home. We looked at governance yesterday and structure. Any organization without good governance and a good structure is a failure. And I remember that I spoke to you about primary governance and secondary governance. I think we will complete other, other things that, um, and I promise to talk to you about budgeting too.
Yes. That is good. Okay. So we looked at church structure and governance yesterday, and then we'll go to add my point after this one. You know the reason why I think the Holy Spirit is bringing me back to governance is because I've forgotten it. I've just put that behind me. But I think you need that more than how the mighty falling. None of you want to fall anyway. <laughs> so none of us want to fall. So let us look at do about falling at the end. So that we look at what, what will benefit us. You go back to your churches, what you must do so that you can increase. Increase in quality, increase the wealth of your church members, and rule your nations. From so we recognize that governance, all right, is not um, is the process of ensuring that an organization is purposeful, purposefully running, is running according to purpose. Now we look at the purpose of the governance is to introduce sanity into an organization. A, an organization without good governance is insane. An organization with good governance without a good structure, it will lead to confusion. And those who have bad structure and good governance, they look to stress. It will lead to stress. Now, we looked at the primary governance and we ended there. The primary governance involves setting up policies, defining long-term strategies to achieving the goal of a charity. That's primary governance. Number two, that's number three, establishing and monitoring the core values of your church. That is, as you are working, you must have a process that reports to you, the pastor, from all the groups that you have set in the church. Every group in the church must have a reporting line so that nobody is firing in the wrong direction without your knowledge until six months. All resources have been wasted into it, energy burnt, and people have been exhausted. And then when you came to know about it in six months, that is not what you instructed them. They will have achieved it in one month if they went the way you talked to them. So that you must have a way of reporting. Of course, you must have five, ten years, fifteen, twenty years strategy. And I've told you, I already have succeeded in setting up a 50-year strategy. That is, not 50, 50 years of my life is not it. When I die, my 50 years begin. The people who will run this organization 50 years after I've died, and I will train them in the same legacy so that each of the generation will raise 50 years down line, 50 years down line, 50 years down line. Already now, among those that I raised, they grew up here. Some of them at the age of six, they brought them. Some of them were born here, you know, over the past 26 years. Some of them were 10, 8. And now they are working in the city in various walks of life. I was instrumental in choosing their career, choosing their, the course they will study, moving them into the industry, the kind of industry they will enter, and strategically positioning them. There are some now that I'm positioning for the House of Parliament, and there are some I'm positioning to become justice of law. I target justice of the Supreme Court. I target the Medical Council of Great Britain. I target the social service, ruling on social service, and I target Ofsted. And the last target I have 
is to run the media of this country. Uh, that is um, the, the outcome. These areas are the troublesome areas for Christians. I'm breeding these folks. They will enter there. Now, so you must do the same thing. Destiny don't come because somebody prophesied. It comes because somebody understood and walked towards it. Setting goals, defining long-term strategies to achieving your goals, establishing and monitoring the, your, your trust core value, evaluating and performing your uh, evaluating the performance of your organization on a regular basis. How do we do that? We have monthly, pro- monthly meetings where people are trained. You know that, you know, when you say that um, a department should meet monthly, all right, do you know that they need to be talking about the same training that they, ha- they have, their basics and principles, this, you know, every month? And when they come in, in the morning to debrief before they start their work, they need to go to the same routine. Alright? Repetition brings expertise. If you repeat something all the time, you become a genius in it. In the sense that it will become part and parcel of you. You cannot overemphasize facts. Neither can you overemphasize the truth. I would give them that. You know, these little things I'm showing you, if anybody can apply to his business, you, you become a millionaire. I was driving today to this, uh, to this office, and my wife and I, and right in front of me was a, a lorry, and written Asda. And I said to my wife, look at that lorry. Oh, she says it's a lorry. I said, no, I see Asda. She said, oh, yes, yes, it's Asda. I said, that is the making of the brain of one man. One man dreams it. Is created employment for lives. If I don't do better than Asda and I die, I will regret. What is your drive? Now, governance, for effective running of a church, there are two categories of uh, trustees the legal trustees which are the governmental administrators. And that, you can find them in Romans chapter 3, verse 1 to 5. And the spiritual trustees, which are pastors and elders, who have advised on this issue. The charities like Oxfam. The job of the governmental trustees is Ensuring that there is a good government. And ensuring that these four core values are produced in every organization that they oversee. If anybody tells you to come and be trustee of their church, if you don't know what your responsibility is, as I'm telling you now, you may be looking for jail. May we not spend our old age in jail. Some people just come and say that, you're my friend, come and be my trustee. No. Because trustee is law. It's not grace. Anything that happens in that church, they pull over the trustees only. If the church took money, the trustees is the thief. If the church squander money, the trustee is the one. I would get that. But if you are a trustee also now, you must go back to the church you trust, that trusted you. That this is, these four things show me 
If they can't show you, resign. Because it means that somebody doesn't know what he's doing, who is on the steering wheel. I will together now. So maybe all of you need to resign from trustees somewhere. <laughs> now, so the trustees have this, this duty. That's the legal trustees, primary government. There is the spiritual trustees, which are the elders. The book of Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 3, 1 and 2. And the book of Acts chapter 14. Give us 1 Timothy chapter 3, 1 and 2. Let's see what it says. Shall we together? Ahead, the next one. Alright, go to, go to, go to King James for me, one and two. Let's read together. Uh huh. Able to teach. The next one. Let's read it again. Next verse. Give me the NIV on that. Can we read it together, please? No, NIV. Not. Give us verse 4 in NIV, please. He must. Stop. That is a manager. That is an elder or a pastor. And that is the spiritual trustees. Do you see that the standard is very high? Higher than the CEO of Sainsbury's. CEO of Sainsbury does not have to meet all these qualities. But certainly he must be a good manager. He may not manage his wife, but he must manage the money. Judicious. So we are not expected only to be judicious in our money management, but the standard is too high. We must manage our family right. <laughs> we can't just say that I'm fed up of her. I sack her and I pick another one. Once you sack her, you're a dead man. Oh, she's a notorious woman. Sorry, congratulations, the husband of the notorious woman. There's no excuse for that. I will give it now. Now, let me give you a little understanding of your responsibility now as secondary governance trustees. Because you understand the fact that governance is a process that is set in place to ensure that whatever you are doing is achieving your intention. Simple. That's just basic understanding, uh, definition of it. In church, how can you do that? The church of God has two arms to it. The spiritual arm and the 
administrative arm. The spiritual arm, let me read what it comprises. That is the arm that operates in the service, like this service now. Alright? In this service, some people were singing here before. They are the choir, isn't it? Okay? Then some people are standing over there. They are the ushers, isn't it? Come on now, church. Some people are standing by this camera. They are the video crew, the media crew, isn't it? When you go out of this building after this message, in 15 minutes you go to the bookshop, you meet another set of people who are ready to take your booking and they are ready to get you the message of the day. They are the bookshop and part of the media. But between these people who are recording here and the people at the bookshop there, all right, it has gone through a people who did post editing to make sure that they put in intros and outros to the message that is spoken. And then the bookshop themselves have two arms. They have the production arm who will do the back of the, of, of the cover. They, they've designed that, done all the homework before this meeting. Can I have a copy of um, the production, please? Please get it for me. And I will show you. So they are, they are part of the media. Their job is not today. Their job has been on for more than two months preparing for this minute to make sure that they have a standard production, to make sure that they have enough materials when people would demand to look at the work with the group that was in charge of how many people are attending the, the, um, uh, the convention, how many people have confirmed. With the number statistics, they, they were able to prepare in a budget of, okay, if we have 200 people coming every day and we are having uh, four uh, messages every day, four messages will be four hours. It will take four, four CDs and Monday to Friday will be 20 CDs or will be 40 CDs by Sunday. And then to multiply that by 200 people, that will be X amount. And then what about contingency, great crashers? And they add it to it. And then they look at the evening meeting. What is the range of number of people who come to evening meeting? The range of number of people who come to evening meeting will be a thousand every day. What about if 25% of them want to buy materials, they will need X number each day. So therefore, at the end of the meeting, we need X number of DVDs and X number of CDs and maybe MP3. Are we together? Then the other group was the hospitality group who took care of your feeding. They had to look at all the statistics of people coming here every day to be able to calculate how much will it cost us to feed these people. And they sit down and say, okay, we are feeding them in breakfast. What are we going to be given in breakfast? We give them lunch. What are we going to be given in lunch? And we give them dinner. What are we give in dinner? Now, if you look at your lunch decision, all right, they first gave you some snacks, the first day then they gave you rice, the second day and heavy food, and you slept. So the third day they changed back to their snacks. Because they discovered that they are now instrumental to making people sleep in my meeting. Okay, and when I, when I accused them, they said that we saw, after we gave them rice, they slept in the teaching, so... 
It's better for them to have light food, and in the evening they can eat the whole house if we, they can. I will give them everything they can eat. So I said, okay, starve us in the day so that in the night we eat like a king. Now, you just don't think that buying things and procuring food is just somebody going to market and doing that. All those things they have put into contemplation to calculate how much they will need from the budget and make sure the amount is available. I will get that. Then the transport section, the people will arrive, time they will arrive, their flight schedule, and they have arranged themselves. You go and pick this person at this time. We are having about 10 people coming at this time. So you take the bus, go there, pick them. And do you know that all these things, I have no business with it. As far as I'm concerned, I want to come here and preach and get away. Whose business? I've appointed leaders in this house. I tell them what I want. They must achieve it. Do I tell them how to achieve it? No. They must use their own mind. In telling them how to achieve it is, is narrowing their brain. And then giving back to zombies. Yes. As I do in my house, if my wife doesn't argue with me, I will look for an argument. Sometimes I want to test her brain. That I didn't marry an Emily. Say something, my dear. <laughs> Disagree with me so that we can have a debate. And we don't fight on our debate because we are I'm used to the fact that I want my wife sometimes. You can't just be saying yes, yes to me. Can't you say no one time? <laughs> I can't be just saying yes, yes to me all the time. I will do something that you say no. All right, then what is the point of your no? Then you tell me, if your point, your reasoning for the no is not correct, I will not tell you that, okay, it is no, but your reasoning should be this. That's how I developed my wife and my children too. So the church as well. And when they did the job and they set up everything, they came back to me with a plan that before, two weeks before we met, I, I had a series of meetings with all of them. Then I had meetings with the main group. Ask them, do you have any other thing that you need? I will not get to that week and answer anybody. During my convention, I don't want to say anything. Look at all of you ministers who came. Did I come to you? No, once I finish, I go up. I go up because this is convention. I want to hear God only. So if I can hear God well, I will put you in a better position before you go. Well equipped. That is my heart. Any problem that erupts in this time, God has solved it. Yes, it will not take my attention. Because I can't solve any problem than you this week. I will get it now. I'm talking about secondary governance. Now I come in, everything is running. Every one of you came in, they took you to your hotel, they booked the hotel for some and took them to the hotel. Those who pick you from the hotel, those who are living in the guest house, those who pick them at what time, bring them on time, get them their comfort. They went to the guest house, make sure everything is okay, repair what needs to be repaired before you came, put beddings and everything in all the guest house, all those things. So we are just having a, a smooth ride. That is the secondary government. The secondary governance is the act of doing or implementing the primary governance. The primary governance is the process in place. Secondary government governance is the act of implementation. Primary governance therefore determines the proper structure to be in place because you need the structure to be able to assign people and then empower and equip them to implementation. Do you know why? What happened therefore? I went to the doctor for checkup. Every sickness that catch people of my age, no, 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 
No, no. The doctor said that it cannot be so. That you must have one sickness. I mean, <laughs> when the doctor told me that I must have one sickness, he put me in this machine that I was going, put some, some things in my body, you know, like pad, and plug me to a machine. And I was going gradually, 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 gradually. I was, I was going fast, 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 fast. And he, he would not stop it. And he was talking with me. And I was doing all this running, running, running. I said, doctor, you see, all my mates, they finished at 15 minutes. He said, no. He said, I want to test your ability to the last. 30 minutes I was in that stuff. He doesn't know I was a boxer anyway. So I kept going, I kept going, I kept going. So when I finished now, he now went and did um, his analysis. He took some ruler or something, hit my knees, and all over the place. I said, what did you discover? He said, you are a strange man. <laughs> he said to me, you are a strange man. I said, yes, godliness profits in all things. <laughs> oh, my. You know why I don't have a Bible pleasure? My leader didn't give one to me. Neither does my wife. Okay? I appointed them, and I allowed them to function. I allow them to make mistakes. I correct them. You know, when, I, when people do things and they are not getting right, I will tell them they are not getting right. I will praise you when you are not getting something right. Well, I appreciate the effort, but you are not getting it right, you are not. Let's stop at this junction, and this will get it right. And that's the reason why I can bring out people with great efficiency. Because the trustees, we meet every quarter. That is the governmental trustee from government where we will look at our running cost for that quarter and we'll compare with our budget for that quarter. We'll look at our variance in that quarter. This, I really thought I would get some of them to come and share some things with you. I will, I will still do that before we go so that they just come and, if it's five minutes, ten minutes, they will just, you know, share a few things with you. And these are the things we do that the church don't know about. Only our wives know it. Because when we go in the week, in a quarter, we go from morning till night. We will examine every branch. Okay? Apart from examining ourselves. So that the state of every branch we know. Why? Because if a branch will have a problem, we are experienced more than them. We can warn them that, you know, this way you are going, there will be a problem. Or, have you planned for this? Because it will come your way in about six months, ten months time. By that, if we, as the mother church, we have to make a provision for them at the time, why we tell them that, look, this is going to be your need in six, six months' time. This is the reason why it will be your need. Now, you must start doing this now to make sure you remedy it. Okay? We don't tell them that we can't help them, we're going to help them at all. So that they can also do the same thing that I do here with their members. Some of them, I'll tell them, specifically things I do, how I do things to get my members successful. I was sharing this in the group before I came. A minister must get his members successful. Because when you get your members successful, you won't have to preach about giving for 30 minutes when you preach re-message re for 10 minutes. It won't happen in CFT borders. Alright? If you contribute to their success, they will give. The Bible says they give themselves first and then their income. A minister must have a strategy to make 
success of those God has given to him. The ones who are adults, yes, by pushing them beyond their limits. And the ones who are young, by reforming them so that they are not following the... In my church, I tell the kids, don't, there is no, no career counselor there. I am the career counselor. Because I have only goes to tell me the real career God created you to do or not. And I tell all of them. And they are. There are some young boys I call professors. Some of them I call them doctors. That's what they become. The ones I call doctors, lawyer, engineer, they have become it. Who is there? They are older than them. Okay? The one I say that you are going to work in this company, that's where they are now. That's where they are. You know, a minister has a duty over the family of God to bring them to fulfillment of destiny. Those who are sluggish, you, 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 you will reform them. It's a matter of reconditioning their mind and they will double charge. Period. I will get that. I told you there is no waste in the church of God. No waste. Even a scripture of man, we just discovered that it is useful to help man to feed. I will get that now. Feel this. So no waste. Therefore, what I'm saying is, your secondary governance must take care of all these things I'm talking about. So church pastoring is not just for lazy, failures, bankrupts, people who, are, who love sleep, bed all the time, wake up and believe in God. You will just believe God to the grave. And nothing will happen from God until you see him face to face when he will now scold you that, what did you do? What did I give you? So write this down, therefore. In the spiritual harm, I will give this to you. I will just read it very quickly. Uh, we started at 11, isn't it? Some few minutes after 11. In the spiritual arm, the first thing is your church services. Your church services. One, every service must be defined. Don't do a service without a definition. Sunday service is a general service where you have believers and unbelievers. Alright? So the kind of message you preach there, you understand? You must have in your contemplation people who don't know who Abraham is when you mention Abraham. So you have to tell who Abraham is when you are teaching them on, on Sunday. You don't begin to talk about, uh, you know, rapture. Use the word like rapture without explaining what rapture is. Because some people are there who have never had it. Define every meeting. In this church, we have overcomers night, which is for everybody. Overcomers night is the end of the month, whichever day you choose, where people will come in and testify about the goodness of God for that month. It's an evangelistic meeting, and you minister to them, both the word, healing, and deliverance if necessary. And you give us a call if necessary. Then you have first, second, third, where God said that we should meet together, you know, and fast at least one of the days. You need to encourage your people. What do we do? We pray into the month ahead. So that tragedy doesn't just strike you and, and Satan surprise you in the month. You go ahead of the devil in the month and you have, you have connected God, presenting your one. So it's a prayer uh, program. Alright? And then whatever happens in that is as God leads you. You know? Then we have Sunday service and we have midweek services. Midweek service in this church is two. 
one in the midweek and one at the end of the week. The one in the midweek is Bible study, Bible teaching, Bible training, looking into the scriptures from one chapter to the other and stuff like that. And then the one at the end, on the Friday weekend is a prayer meeting where we just pray. Then we have prayer every day for those of you who have building over your head. If you don't use God's house of prayer, if God takes it from your hand, he hasn't done bad. After all, he said, my house is a house of prayer. There are people begging God that just give us a little house. If you have land as a church, what ought you do? You carry prayer to that land every day. If you don't do that, then God can take it from you. That can hinder God from releasing more to you because the one he gave you is useless. No, God, you must always understand who God is. It's all script, in the scriptures. So you must define every meeting. Number two, you must start and finish on time. There are some meetings that are teaching meetings. Those ones can take two hours sometimes. VG can take as long as it is because it's the VG. But Sunday service should be constructed within one and a half hours target. It's not, Sunday service is not a day that you allow the Holy Spirit to then take you beyond the river. Where you get to the shore, the Holy Spirit will leave you. You are the one swimming now. Hallelujah. You know what? Let me say this to you. In every nation, I've seen it now because of globalization. That a lot of people who are successful people, uh, who are middle people, they plan every time. And they need to. Because they can't waste any time because it's consequential to financial loss. So if you have church service and you are having church service for two hours and a half and three hours, you know, and it's regular. People who will come to your church are people who are not serious. They don't have anywhere they are going. So you'll be, all your money you'll be feeding the hungry. Oh yes. They don't have anything they are doing. They have nothing, no type, no, nothing doing in life. Your service must be precise. Sunday service should not be more than one and a half hours. Another advantage of that is that if you have one and a half hour service, you know, you have about two hours eventually because people will socialize and meet and stuff like that. But if you have like end of the month, you do Thanksgiving and all stuff like that. At all, if your service goes beyond that, two hours, you must close. Do we understand now? Another thing I found out, uh, you know, pastors, is that when I do that, my body rests a little bit. Because you are the one that is burning up. If your service is getting too long. Your energy. Number C. Make sure your services address the needs and growth of the people. Make sure your services address the needs and the growth of people. In other words, part of it is physical. The other part is spiritual. The need of people can only be told to you by God or they tell you their needs. Let me say this to you. If in your church for one month, three, four people are coming to you with problems about marriage, what should I tell you? The devil is trying to mess up marriages. So you teach about marriage. Straight away. If you saw one or two of your youths coming with funny haircuts and then began to walk like a shadow. Somebody who has been walking straight before is not walking like a... <laughs> Like uh, what in Nigeria they call Igunuko. <laughs> then you understand that you have to teach them about do not love the world, First John 4, 
that whoever loves the word, the love of the Father is not in him. See, they have a carnality and spirituality and stuff. So that the sin and judgment, and they will repent. Are you with me now? They begin to cut all those hair that look like Christmas. Now, you must look at the need of your church to know what to teach them. Don't just do a program of teaching for the year. Yes, you can, but sometimes your teaching has to address needs and has to address the growth of the people. It's geared towards making them more matured, giving them information as tools so that they can be more independent from you. They could begin to do the things you have been doing and gather the confidence. The more people in your church that you have raised like that, the longer your life will be because the easier your job will become in the future. You can begin to I mean, bring them into standing in God with you, doing what you are doing. When I travel in this church, people preach on my pulpit. I just saw for two weeks. Last, uh, this last month. And people took care. The program on me is taking things in the Bible, chapter by chapter. There are people who can do, do it in the church. They have been trained. They have been raised. They did it. Not all the time I travel, I appoint pastors to preach. Are you with me now? I do not appoint people to preach because I think, because they are pastors, so they have to do it. No. Because I train them. This is my own pulpit. Your pulpit in your church, that's your pulpit. It's not to be shared. And so, apart from you, it is a training ground. Alright? For Sunday service, we do not allow anybody to, to minister who has not been fully trained. Some people in the church have been fully trained, but they are not ordained into any office. Alright? But you have been training them here and there, getting to lead prayer, getting to share you know, reflection and stuff like that, and you watch them, you know, you understand. And when you are away and you appoint people like that to minister, people will just say, wow. There is a young girl in this church I have asked on my pulpit at the age of 12, no, 13. I mean, I listened to her message on YouTube. I told, it, told them to put it on my own YouTube. But what I'm going to do now is that I will, I, that message I'm going to talk before they bring her in. That, hey, guys, listen to my daughter. Switch on. Yeah? That girl, her message, I think I'll give all of you a link to it. And you tell me your view. So what I'm saying to you is that I'm helping you to understand the area of the fact that your, your programs must address the needs and of course to you must make sure that you raise enough people that you can pack up gradually while they are functioning. And that will give you better life. Number D, use the best to conduct main services. That's what I just said. Use your best to conduct your Sunday services. Okay? While those you are training, you can let them minister and share and lead prayer in the midweek. I use the midweek as a training ground when I put you on my, tel- on my pulpit on Sunday, you are matured. You are not one of those who get on my pulpit and you are saying that uh, the message of today is, uh, is uh, Oh, Father, help me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Say, so the message of today is, uh, no. They have done that in the midweek until they master it. 
So they are not intimidated by a crowd anymore. Because in the midweek they have been coming, they have been doing it, they have been doing it, they have been doing it. Now they can do it publicly. Not only that, they are gifted, they are graced, they have insight to the world. And the fifth one is that you must give your congregation a focus for each month. We have a focus for each month in our calendar. The month of victory. The month of this. And that should be re-emphasized on the overcomers before the new month. And in the fourth, second, third. So that people can have something. We have a lot of testimonies over the word of the month. Especially from, from Germany. If I tell Pastor, I start to tell you now. German people, I think in all CFT globally, they are the ones who have most testimony from the, the title of the month because they, they religiously follow it. <laughs> and it's very, very interesting. When I go to their meetings, it's very interesting. All right, now I have five more minutes to just take a ride through this. Have we looked at the church services? Arms of spiritual, okay, the spiritual arms of the church. The spiritual arms of the church, number one, is the board of elders. Number two is the ministers. The board of elders is chaired by the minister. But we can have pastors who are not mature to be in the board of elders. Because the board of elders needs maturity and wisdom. Deep one. A pastor may not be qualified to be in the board of elders. So because somebody is um, employed, is a I point, I ordained as a pastor, it's not prima facie that, oh sorry, it's not um, mandatory that he is a member of the Board of Elders. Now, but the Board of Elders also are people who is in charge of various operands in the church. Now, this, the third, which is C, group, arm group of the church is intercessors and evangelism team. And I'm writing this according to the order of precedence. The intercessory and evangelistic team must be solid in your church. They are the powerhouse of the church. Powerhouse of the church. Then you have the choir, which is the D. Four. Then number five, you have the ushers, which is greeters, meters. People meet them at the door. Transports, those who collect offering, and watchmen. I think those who are now who collect offering, you have the ushers, and the watchmen now are the protocols, which is number six. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yes? The protocols are trained in two things. They are trained in, you know, apprehending any disturbance or anyone who is disturbing with a reasonable force. Among them are some police officers in the church who train others in this area. Then they are trained in first aid by the medical team. If somebody falls down and is gasping, what is the first aid? Some of them also have to go and do first aid uh, course and be certificated so that they can function. Health and safety they are trained in health and safety. Some of them also are certificated. And we are intending that everybody who is in that group will go through that training and be certificated. They are the one who, you see them stand over there. But we don't allow one person to keep standing because it's punishment. 
So when one stands, he sits down. Another one stands, he sits down. When you are here and you park your cars in around the area, some of them go with their walkie-talkie to check all the cars because we have seen burglars burgle the cars of members. We cannot pray those devourer. We have to physically arrest them. So they are the ones who go do that. And when they were doing that in New Cross and those boys saw that they go around, they stopped boggling our cars. So they are like that. Somebody has disturbed the church before who came in, one of these guys who just, you know, gets into drug and then got drunk and came in and it was disturbing. But you know that they have sense. When they come and disturb, they have sense. They know when they are in a place where people can apprehend them is. So what happened to that boy was that when he was disturbing, one of the, the um, protocol went to him and said, Sir, please, you cannot disturb in the church. Do you know that it's a crime to obstruct a minister in the primary governance status of Great Britain? If somebody obstructs me, I can get him into jail. I only need to substantiate it. It is part of our law. Okay? And of course, too, it could be an offense uh, under the Human Rights Act, Section 14, I suppose, and 8. Yes, because it's obstructing my um, right to manifest my religion. And so, but that may not be criminal because it's human rights, but the status is criminal. But they went to him there and he was messing up. And one of them who is a who, who works in prison. He's one of the officers in prison. He went to him and said that, ah, call his name. When he called him his name, he looked into the eyes of him. Yes, sir. <laughs> he had disciplined him before in prison. So, ouch. Yes, sir. <laughs> Instead of going, uh, so he left. They are all in protocol. People who are in the military should be in protocol and paramedics and stuff like that. So, then you have the teachers, which are the teachers of Sunday school, Barcelona class, believers class, any class that you have, all the teachers. That is F. G, really. Then you have the home cell leaders. We are talking about secondary governance. The people that make, that run, implement the four areas of primary governance. Then you have the home cell leaders. Then you have the follow-up invitation team. Then you have the media stroke technical team, which is all this sound and stuff like that. In the media technical team now, recently, because of the advancement of social media, we have now set up a social media team. Really, they are going to hold meeting with all of you pastors, branch pastors, or I think it will be tomorrow, sometime in the afternoon. So that they will take you, they will open the website and you look at what your representation is there. So that if you are not uh, properly represented, they correct it there. And they will take your photograph if they need it, both each one of you and your wives. So that right there, they will upgrade their records there. Their social media. The guy handling it is the one handling the social media of one of the biggest institutions in London. And so he's rendering that service in the church. Now, bookshop and preaching material sales. Then, counseling advice. 
We call counseling spiritual advice. Never you call it counseling if you are not a qualified academic counselor. Because if you say you are counseling somebody, you have to qualify it that it is spiritual advice. Because if you counsel somebody and the person sues you that your counselor damaged them, you will be liable on that thought. Maybe thought of deceit. Maybe you raise false hope of somebody. So the way out of it is that you tell them that you have come for spiritual advice. And for that, no law of any country can catch you. Welfare. They are the ones who organize hospital visitation. Anybody who has need and stuff like that, they, they administer to them. People who go give birth and all things like that. Then the last one is stagehand. Stagehand and sanitation. They are the stagehand are the one who takes care of the altar, make sure the altar is clean and neat and is in place. They go through all the toilets and make sure the toilet is washed and the toilet is good and well perfumed. All these spitting perfumes, they have it in toilet. You know, when you enter the toilet in CFT Cathedral, are you here? Don't be afraid. You hear? Don't be afraid. If you look around in the toilet, you are the only one there just praising God. You know, don't be afraid. Because when I first went in there, I was going to bind the devil, you know. I said, is there any, any cobra in this place spitting? <laughs> and they told me, I was to look up there. And I saw one, one plastic with a hole. And when I was looking at it, it went, ah, you are the one. <laughs> this world is becoming something else. Hallelujah. We have to catch up with them. <laughs> so if you go around, that's just what's happening. So we look at spiritual arm. But the, the other section is the administrative arm. And I think that I won't, I think five minutes we can finish that. You see under this spiritual arm, which is the church composition, there are five major groups, people group in the church. And you can connect this with what I taught you when we were looking at the church of the living God. Alright, about the ignobles and the nobles in the church. But you have five groups, target group. The women group, they are the most important in church. Believe what I tell you. If you make the women happy, your church will grow. Oh yes, I can guarantee you. They are the first one to see Jesus. All other men, they are running and hiding somewhere. Even when they want to tell the men that Jesus is risen, they say, are you out of your mind? Eh? Like in Nigeria, they say, I'm a boy. Eh? You have come again. You <laughs> Jesus rose. The, the Romans are looking for us to kill us. You are saying you saw him. He said, Peter... Follow me. So Peter went faithlessly. But the woman had faith. So women are indispensable in the church. I love them more than all the men. And I don't hide it. I tell the men. Yes. If I call meeting, women are always the largest congregation. Why shouldn't I love them? Politically, if I don't, they can vote me out. You know? <laughs> so I have to be sure that they are, they are happy. You know, all the time. Love my women. I was born by women, I think. And I married a woman, of course. So, I have three women contesting over me. Now, okay, so, <laughs> the, next, the next group are 
the men's group. The women's group comprises women from 20 upwards. The men's group comprises men from 20 upwards. I will know that the youth group and the men and women group intercepts because youth group in this church is up to 36. So when they are 20, they are in youth group to 36, but they are also in men and women group because in the youth group they are becoming senior youths, now training junior ones, and when they come to men's meeting, they are becoming trained to become men, women's meeting trained to become women. And this is the interception. So you have the women's group, the men's group, the youth group. Then you have the primaries from the age of 7 to 11. And you have the toddlers from the age of 3 to 6. A fulfilling church must take care of these groups accordingly. Hence all the church planters must carry all these groups in their mind while thinking about church planning. Adequate training programs and lectures must be in place to help the spiritual, mental, social, and physical development of these groups. I give you this in your pack. The last part is the most troublesome in the church, which is the office, administrative group. You know, I think the administrative group are the, is the place where the most work is. While in the church, we must make sure we are compliant according to health and safety. You mustn't allow people to draw wire all over your church and people can trip over because if they trip over, you are what they call vicariously liable. A church in London had been sued and they paid two million to a family because their child went to the toilet and drank disinfectant. So it is the duty of the pastor because if anybody in your church, any usher in your church, you know, was negligent in the toilet and a young child went to the toilet and took the disinfectant and drank it, you are the one who is committed the crime, not the usher, and you are the one. That is the church. The church has to pay for it. And you don't want your church to, to be sold so that it can pay fine. If you have to sell your church to be able to pay fine, then you are finished. So therefore, in this, in the church operation, when I spoke about sanitation and the, you know, the, the, the stage hand, you must make sure that you, pastor, put your eyes on it. Let me tell you something in this church. I go to toilets. I go to the women's toilets when everybody is not here. And anybody, if anybody comes to the toilet and when nobody is here, he will tell me how he entered. When the church is closed, everybody is go home, gone home. I come in early in the morning or in the afternoon in my office. I come out and go to the toilet. I look at everything they should empty, everything they should have fixed. That is why I see a door that is just a little bit dangling. Because the ushers go there, they will look for cleaning and stuff, but they will not look for the door that is almost falling, or the screw that is losing somewhere, or the mirror that is almost falling from the wall. I go to look at all those things. Then I call the section 
fix this now. You call this company, let them fix this now. Or the, this, there's um, uh, a, a box in the women's toilet that they put their pad and stuff like that. Sometimes it will get full and nobody will recognize it. And they will not come and report it. The women going there, they will be coming out, they can't use it because it's full. I go there, I see it, call the office, call that man now to come and collect it. And they call, call them. And those ones I do behind the board. And the general was and the archbishop. But I'm responsible by law. Because I'm the resident pastor of cathedral. Alright? Not only that. When we do not catch up with a door that is losing, gradually, then it will cost this church more money to fix it. Anytime this church pays a lot of money to fix something, it pains my, my body because it's like taking my money. It's a lost money. It pains me more than wasting my own money. So therefore, according to the four primary governors I've taught you, setting up procedures to monitor whether what you instructed is delivered. Sometimes physically you have to go and see it. Let me say this, they will shock you. I have cleaned toilet myself. If I go in and I see dirt on the floor, you will see me bend down and pick it up in church. When I bend down, everybody around me will start bending down. Say, okay. So that tells you that when you see any dirt on the floor, you are working in the house of God. You clean it. I would get them now. I would take cloth and trap basil the handrail if it's dusty. I wouldn't say because we have appointed some people to do it. They couldn't do it. If they couldn't do it, why can't they do it? The day I want to work, I tell my staff, jeans tomorrow, they know that it's work. I, I climbed this place to the roof there, and I went to the end of the loft there. I said, we have been, I've been in this church, I don't know what exists there. I must use my eyes to see. And I went there and I saw. So when I was discussing with the engineers about our extension, I know what I'm talking about. Because I've seen it was there I saw that all the bulbs there have gone. And I called the electrical engineer, go and fix me a bulb in those places. So that whenever we come there, that's where we saw all these uh, pigeons that came. And then I went to the roof looking for how the pigeon get here. All the holes that are there brought a, a man to come and seal it up. Then when I went to the roof, we saw that there is a pipe, you know, a duct from the roof, open, big. I can walk in it. Standing like this. That duct goes around this building. And that duct now goes into smaller ducts. Came to the, uh, uh, to the roof here. Came to this place. Came to my green room. And we just saw, because we saw um, you know, maggots drop from the ceiling. Of birds that have died. And there is no place for them to come in. Until I found that place. They have sealed it now. You know how much it cost us because we were late to discover it. It cost us 10,000 something to employ them to kill. And they killed nothing. <laughs> they killed nothing. <laughs> they removed all the birds and they just swept the pool and fleet some, something. I said, ah, for 10,000. They said, ah, well, that's what they do. Said, how do you mean? 10,000, you just, all this full mark are there. They said they didn't promise that they would remove the mark. So we have to now <laughs> remove the mark. So, but that taught me a lesson. 
that next time, instead of rent to kill, we are saying we kill the person. <laughs> but you know, what I'm helping to understand is that a little ignorance can cost the money you will have used into crusade, you will have used into media, you will have used into positive way of bringing your church out. And wasted it. So, the administrative arm comprises as office. The first area of administration that faces church is church data management. Under church data management, you have members' data entry, visitors' follow up information. Don't write this down. I will not wait for it. I will just give them to you. Zonal grouping information, administration of operations of home group and management, and department operations. Then, the second classification is church program planning, development, and management. Church program planning, development, and management. Church data management is number one. Then, church program planning, development, and management is number two. And under that, you have church annual programming, church monthly and weekly programming, detailed program for each meeting, and detailed program for convention and conferences. All these you run in the church. Then, number C, church office management and accounting. You have an accounting officer who keeps the account, who records the account. You know, somebody who um, files in all the um, invoices, and then the section that puts in all the invoices, and at the end of each month, they will balance the books so that they will reconcile your accounts, so that any invoice that is missing, they will ask you, you will present them so that your invoice is up to date and you are internally audited up to date. That also helps you to know that this month, I have, the church has spent more than what I budgeted. And so what do we do next month? We will not spend here, we will not spend here, we will cancel this, we will cancel that. To meet up again and be liquid and be fluid. I would get it now. That section is very, very important. Then you have the staff and volunteer management. That is also very, very hectic in church. Then number E, you have the church outreach and follow-up man- uh, management. Now, you have the follow-up the but the management of it. When people come to the church, how do you communicate their forms to those who will go and phone them? Letter must go from the church pastor every Monday to those people to welcome them, thank them for coming in the week. Then who phones them up? When they phone them up, what was it? Did they visit anybody? What was the report? All those things. Church outreach and follow-up. Then you have church multimedia. Let me go again. Church data management. Church programming, planning, and development. Church program planning, development, and management. Number three, church office management and accounting. Number four, staff and volunteer management. Number five, church outreach and follow-up. Number six, church multimedia, which comprises design, print, radio, television, tape production, and sales. Design, print, radio, television, tape production, and sales. And now we have added into that area of television the social media. Because that has become a great tool in the hand of the church. And the last one is church budgeting and project financing. Church budgeting 
and project financing. The, the purpose of the church is to make disciples. Matthew chapter 28 verse 19. Avenues by which you can make disciples. Through social projects. Proverbs chapter 21 verse 13 says, If a man shuts his eyes to the poor, he too will cry out and not be answered by God. According to your means. Social benevolent project must not kill the church. After all your bills are paid and then you are okay, you can start, you know, helping people without incurring money. You don't have to feed the hungry when you yourself you are hungry. If I, that is the right way to it. So you can do social projects, visit the elderly and other things that will not cost you money than just going there. But when you church have enough money, you can now begin to feed people. But if you start feeding people when you don't have money, the money you should accumulate to be able to establish, you wasted it. And God is not into that. God said you must be careful about how you spend your money. I would mean that. We are not doing social projects to impress government or to be telling people that we too will feed hungry. We don't have to. We don't have to. We can care for the needy. We can go to the hospital. We can go to the prison. It doesn't cost us money. When we are well off and we are able, then we can feed the hungry or give clothes to them if, if we are able to do that. But social, social, every social action that does not have intention of salvation is not for God. And those social projects are geared towards elevation of poverty or poverty elevation. Every church must see to it that they have a practical way of affecting the nation, especially the poor in their community through various social actions. For example, education, schools and skill training. Number two, poverty elevation. Number three, car care projects. Number four, agricultural projects. I'm feeling the hungry if you can. Number five, mentoring. Number six, empowerment program. Like business seminar, job search, investment, financial planning, and etc. And the last one, advice centers. Church can build advice centers. For the jobless, law center, medical center, marriage advice center, courtship advice center, parenting, single parents, relationship development. All this in my next meeting with you, I will show you now the plan of this cathedral and how all this theory interprets into practical acts. I'm sure that we have been blessed. I'm sure that you have been blessed by watching this program. It is just uh, a normal thing that we have to talk to everyone of you watching, including those who are listening here. Well, God bless you. I think we have done a little bit good now.